What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Flex Fantasy Network. Dylan, Cameron, and Ian here with you guys. Yo, football has begun. We had a Thursday night game, and now we're going to preview Sunday night. Uh, how you feeling, Cameron? I, I You're probably pretty tilted after the Allen Robinson disappointment. I'm feeling okay, man. I, I've spent – I've. I've gone deep. It's I've been like a like secret agent, man. Like going over all of my intel, going over all the data, crunching the numbers. Yeah. Man. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been uh, grinding, staying up late, uh, trying to figure out exactly, exactly <laughs> what happened. We actually had a, we actually had two uh, my guys on the show going in the same oh, night, and it was no, not. No, don't make. We it did not. <laughs> we did not bring that up. get off to a hot start. Uh, okay, okay. So let's let's just say it. So we're gonna <laughs> today. We're gonna preview week one basically talk about the things we're looking forward to heading into the season or anything we're looking at for fantasy that is important to keep an eye on and evaluate for week one but right now let's break down this Thursday night game because first football game of the year Thursday night game has typically been kind of ugly in the past this one was ugly especially for the Rams dude well, on one side man the Bills look absolutely Buffalo perfect just looks yeah, a perfect team just about. It's insane. Josh Allen had, I mean, you like he basically had like the perfect game. Like, I don't think I can picture like a quarterback playing better than Josh Allen did. Like he had like On one interception, night. but that was a total fluke thing where like uh, McKenzie just got the ball robbed from him. Yeah. Uh, and like mm-hmm. every other way, the guy, like he would have had like a perfect passer rating for that. He was running all over the field. He was making plays, running guys oh, over, cool. uh, just truck sticking guys. He stiff-armed a guy's soul out of his body. It was incredible. <laughs> I was telling Ian before the show, like, he's the most talented quarterback in all football. I mean, we Mahomes kind of has that moniker, but Lamar, like too. Josh, Lamar, I think Josh is Allen there. has possibly surpassed him just with his size and athleticism. The arm is insane. He makes every throw on the field. It's crazy. But, <clears throat> yeah, let's talk about the, uh, the Bills real quick because there's more to break down for the Rams. So Gabe Davis, someone we had kind of faded at his ADP, had a really nice game. Only five targets, I think, but four for 88 and a touchdown. So that's something that, you know, I think he's going to be a fine fantasy asset. It still might not really return a ton of value with where you had to draft him as like a top 25 wide receiver, but definitely positive for week one to see that. Yeah. This is exactly what like a good Gabe Davis game has looked like in the past. Like he got like a 16% target share. Uh, he was out targeted in terms of share by uh, like Zach Moss, for example, like, but, <laughs> but then like they're really, really high value targets, right? Like they like, they like schemed up a play for him when they were mm-hmm. in the red zone that resulted in a touchdown. And then he got a downfield target. Like- 60 yards uh, that, later in the that, game. That, uh, that uh, click. So it really is like a it, – it's like the quintessential up Gabe Davis game. Um, the thing that for if, – like if you're like a big uh, truther on him, it was – I don't think there are many people saying that he's going to come out and be like a 20-plus percent target share guy, just that he's going to be running a lot more routes. And that's absolutely true. He ran, I think, like the most routes on the team. More than, more than uh, digs, yeah. 98 snap uh, percent snap share. So he's out on the field on every play, every set, you know, all two, two wide receiver sets, three, four, whatever he's out there. Um, you know, what we, uh, Cameron mentioned that James Cook was a, a, my guy for Ian. I probably don't want to read in too much to this for a rookie running back. You know, sometimes they just don't have the role to start the season. Hopefully it comes, you know, we talked about how Zach Moss did not look good in this game, even though he got the touches and he got the targets he was used in that, cook role as a pass catcher than what we thought cook would have so i think eventually cook probably does take it but it's definitely not um doesn't get you enthused about him to see him come out have two snaps and fumble the ball on his first career touch yeah how tilted were you ian just seeing zach moss eat up target after target that was like one yard two yard just <laughs> bumbling all over right the field. and then right. Cook comes yeah, so- out there and fumbles right away yeah <laughs> So Cook finished the game with six targets, six of six Zach Moss. for 21 Moss. yards. Moss. Yeah, yeah, Moss, sorry, yeah. Um, as far as, like, the my guy is concerned, you know, I, I uh, with James Cook, I thought that he was where he was going in the seventh and eighth round. He was a really good bet to not only return value but also be uh, pretty significantly higher, especially in PPR. 
Um, but that being said, he's still a rookie. He's a rookie running back. Um, they're by no means are they like a rebuilding team. So they're putting out the players that they think are going to give them the best chance to win the game. They had, you know, Singletary as like their early down, down grinder. And then they obviously had more faith in Zach Moss to be like their uh, pass catching guy for this game in particular. But like we were saying, he looked he looked very Zach Mossy, <laughs> very unexplosive. Yeah, um, Moss is a really good last name for him. Moss dude, is a great last name. He's a big grows on his back. <laughs> like exactly, a man. The dude's a rock. Basically three yards per catch and two and a half <laughs> yards per rush. It's just yeah. So, you know, you know, that they, they felt more comfortable giving him that work. That's okay. Um, I expect James Cook is going to, as the next couple of weeks go on, get more and more integrated in. Obviously, you hate to see the man fumble on his one touch um but literally sometimes literally first touch in the nfl (laughs) only touched in the nfl actually because the only other time they brought him on was for a read option that he didn't get the ball for so um but it's fine i I expect him to start getting worked in more and more and if those six to eight running back targets go to him as opposed to moss or some combination of moss and singletary he could absolutely be a guy who's consistently putting up you know six for 45 uh, yeah. on the ground on the through the air which means that all you need is a little bit of work on the ground and you got yourself a really solid flex slash rb2 that yeah, you drafted right that, like at the that at, at, at like the very least it did look like uh at least through like this first game and what we suspected was that they were you know they were on the horn with um uh, uh, uh jd uh, mckissick and they drafted a pass catching guy in the second round so we all suspected that they'd be passing more to the running back Mm-hmm. And through one game, at least, like that absolutely happened. He did. It just wasn't to Cook. So you'd have to hope he does absorb that role later on. Um, oh, he will, dude. Moss is terrible. <laughs> but it's something where you might be getting Cook off of waivers in a couple weeks now. And then that's worth mentioning. That's worth mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in a league where the in most leagues, if, if you're in a league where I'm assuming not many people started him, unless you're in like a 14 team super not. deep situation with multiple running back starters. But uh, if you're in a league where where the guy just like ah screw this cook guy he sucks and like drop him or if you're in one of those weird formats that allows you to drop players after they played like because I know, I think NFL.com lets you do that so like there's there's times where you'll like drop a Thursday night player who just sucked who was on your bench and then pick up another guy for Sunday um, I think he's absolutely worth picking up still uh, the dudes dudes immensely talented and like we were saying last night they have to have some semblance of explosiveness out of this backfield. Because Singletary, for all of his uh, for all of his uh, pros as a running back, the dude just does not make explosive plays happen. And Zach Moss is just he is just <laughs> so slow, man. He's so like they a, need some element of explosiveness. Zach Moss is like a poor man's Josh Jacobs, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Singletary is actually a homeless man's Josh Jacobs. <laughs> yeah. Before going on to the Rams, though. I, I wanted to mention Stefan Diggs only had a 64% snap share compared to Davis's 98. So that was interesting, but still Stefan Diggs, matter. monster game, nine targets, yeah. eight catches. I mean, we talked about him as being worthy of, you know, that top tier of receiver coming into the, into the year, being a guy you take in the first round. I have Diggs over Devonte Adams in my rankings, like right there with cook and Jefferson. And I think yeah. that showed why, you know, they vacated a lot of targets some will go to Davis, but a lot of them are just going to go to Diggs. I think he's going to be he's going to have a league winning type series. I think if uh, like I think if we had done something like a first round my guy segment or like just guys that like were higher on like round by round, Diggs would have been my guy because he was sort of falling in like the, to the to like the late half of or uh, the back half of first round over round, and over second again. Round even. I have yeah, sometimes like you see him go like 202, 201, stuff like that, which is which is was always insane. Like that target share that he's that that like we've seen him get since he's been in Buffalo. Uh, he was a little bit under a uh, 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 fuck <laughs> uh, expectation last year, yeah. and um, and uh, I think that that like resulted in him dropping a little bit. But like he's just going to keep doing this every game i think like over and over and we're, we're gonna see a, we're gonna see a major breakout huge target share and then okay gotta talk about the rams ugly game for them how many picks did stafford throw in this one four four i think four i want to say oh, God. it was three three, okay. three. felt like four <laughs> it was just it like, was, like four. yeah and as good as that one was stafford stafford was that bad so cooper cup is the same guy he was last year they just hyper target him but 
outside of that, not a lot to get excited about. Cam Akers is the big one. And man, we were just going crazy when this game started. Daryl Henderson being the first one out there. Cam Akers didn't get out there till like the third or fourth drive. Like he was just there to give Henderson a breather. This wasn't any, it wasn't even a committee type of approach. It was just Henderson, number one, workhorse. Akers will come in to spell him from time to time. And I don't know if that lasts, but you'd have to imagine. I mean, people are ready, if not already, burying Cam Akers in Dynasty. We've seen him traded for like third round picks already. So just we knew the risk going in. You know, we were skeptical, but we knew the upside and it looks like it's just going to be a major loss pick, you know, a wasted pick in the fourth round or wherever you took him. Yes. Yeah. The two big negative stories from this game uh, that everybody was talking about afterwards were Cam Akers and Allen Robinson. And I think uh, between the two, you have to come out much more negative on Cam Akers. Yes. Not just because of how he looked and the role, but then uh, in terms of comments after the game as well. Like when asked about Allen Robinson, uh, Sean McVay is like, you know, we got to get him uh, uh, worked in more. Like we got to get him more targets. When asked about Cam Akers, it's just nothing but negativity, essentially. Like not only does it sound like or does it does it look like he's lost a full step, maybe even a step and a half or two. But um, but it also sounds like there might be a bit of like a doghouse situation going on. There's it's so many bad things. And man, I don't even know what to do with him. You probably can't trade him in Dynasty now maybe see if something gets better in the following weeks. But if, if you can trade him and still get any value by all means, go ahead and do it. But it's going to be a tough proposition week one and, you know, a primetime game. Everyone saw it every, you know, there's going to be no bigger fade in football than cam Akers after week one. And this is why example, I go ahead. Go ahead. This is, this is just yet another reason why you avoid risk in the early rounds of redrafts. You yeah. just you avoid these. There's players going around these guys with similar level upside without this type of risk. You 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 don't take these players. This is what I was going to say exactly. Is that this is why you avoid uh, like uh, 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 the running back dead zone. Is what I was going to say. Like these guys that go in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Like they're there for a reason. And you know all of the good running backs. We you know we both know they get. Or, um, uh, we all know that they they get pushed up into the first two rounds. And then those guys, like those dead zone guys, they're there because there's risk in one way or another, whether it's we don't know what the workload is going to be. They're coming off injury, like in the case with Akers. And the guys that you're passing up for at wide receiver are excellent. So mm-hmm. just yet another reminder of this. Yeah. And then I was kind of interested in Akers early in the offseason. Then when all this stuff came out about being a 50-50 split with Henderson, I started to get worried that that might mean – he did lose a step, and now it's it's even worse than we can imagine. So, luckily, I don't have too many shares of him. At least, I do but. think I do think there's a chance that we were talking about this uh, like this before that we hopped on camera. I do think there's a chance that it's not as bad as we think. Like, I don't want to just like bury him all the way. Right, ninety percent bury. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Like he still has like a little toe sticking out of the dirt or something. Like <laughs> I, I want, Both I want, those. yeah. I want there to be to leave the window open just slightly, but that but that's that's purely a, a, a like dynasty take. So we that, like, okay, I think that I think that like maybe as the season goes on, uh, you could see him get more involved. For redraft, he's just he's just going to be a bad pick. Like if you took him in the third or fourth round, it, it's, you know. it's rough. So this so is. I would, oh, sorry, Ian, go yeah. ahead. Uh, I was just going to say the if we could just go at it from this angle just really quickly, if anybody's listening who did draft him and redraft, I'm of the opinion that you can't do any – you just bench him until further oh, notice. Oh, you can't oh, do oh. anything. You can't trade – don't trade him for peanuts because it really just isn't worth it. Just put him on your bench and hope that he has a week or two weeks. I think there's a weeks. chance like maybe you could trade him for like one of these like later round like wide receiver upside targets that we were talking about like – you know, Tony was. I was just about to say, tenth, eleventh round. Yes, like, I, would I would like. I would make that move. Like Sky Moore, even was going even later. Like I would more Traylon Burks. I would do it for yeah, the- Bur- right. Like I would. I would like make. I don't think people for- would give you Burks for for Acres after that game. I know. Yeah. Like, would you trade Acres for Henderson? Yes. Yeah, I would. 
<laughs> yeah. it's so fun it's so funny how sure. one week how quickly one this week is, you just turn everything on its head this is what's so great about football and why i get so excited because things change so drastically you know we, we Anderson was like a 12th too. or 14th round pick like three days ago and now it's like we talked about it though we're like we're like henderson at his adp was a better bet than acres yeah. at his adp because you're yeah, just betting yeah. against the history of uh, like the achilles injury especially on henderson too late yeah, when it came out, it was going to be a 50-50 split. That became clear that Henderson was going to be the better pick, and Acres started to drop a lot. Actually, um, you never know. You never know what to make of coach speak, but like the history of like that injury, it's just like yeah, like bet against that, right? Like we have we have this full history. Like it's undefeated. And what is this? Position. Are you projecting anything for uh, James Robinson coming off of this? Yeah, like yeah, I mean, like so that's a good point. Is like. No, no. I mean, like you can't, you yeah. know, I mean, like, I think that, I think that like he'll be out there, but I don't think that he's going to, cause be he was already, good. he was already more of a plotter, especially compared to Cam Akers. Yeah. Which, which no. you can spin either way that you want. Like I've heard people make that out into like a positive somehow. And it's like, bro, wh- why are we trying to make excuses for these running backs that have this injury when over and over again, we see Man. What, what happens. If I'm trying to trade James Robinson, if I can, before Sunday's game, because, yeah, it's just really telling sign for him. But if we want to go and dive a little deeper into Allen Robinson, I would still say one target in this game. He got the second target at the very end, last play of the game. One catch mm-hmm. for 12 yards, a brutal game. You probably started him anywhere you had Allen Robinson. You know, it was a my guy for Cameron. But I, I want to say don't tilt too hard. No, if, he, no, no, no. if you could get him for nothing now, I would actually probably make that trade. He still was out on the field on almost 100% of snaps, running routes, but they just didn't look his way for whatever reason. And I know Cameron had dove into it a little bit. You were trying to analyze that game, and if you went back and watched all of his snaps, and it did appear that he still was getting open. For whatever reason, they just – you know, Stafford was under too much pressure, whatever it was. It was a rough game. They just couldn't – you know, he didn't have a chance to look his way. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's a ton of stuff out there on this, but like, just like the easiest way to say it is that, and I think the most useful way to say it is that if you're high on a guy and you've done the analysis and you think that you have good arguments for a guy in the preseason, no matter what happens in week one, unless like absolute, uh, like, uh, like they blow out their Achilles, for example, or just like, unless like it's the absolute worst case scenario, you don't, you don't just then start fading them immediately, right? Like you don't then just, yeah. And like by fate, I mean, like you can like readjust your expectations, but, but, but you don't just start panicking on them. Right. It's just way too early to do that. Um, I will say that like overall my take, and you covered a lot of it, like he's out there. He was the clear wide receiver too. He's going to remain that they don't have anybody else that really can play X that can make the, uh, the plays that like, that we know that can do, what Allen Robinson can do. Um, so he's, so he's going to continue to be out there on a team that's going to score more than 10 points a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're not going to continue to give Tyler Higby all of those, all of those targets. It's just, it's just like not going to happen flat out. Um, so there will be better days. Um, but I will say that it's the bad news for a Rob is that it's, it's likely that the top 10 top 12 kind of upside thing is not going to happen now. Like I'm, I'm uh, looking at this chart from uh, Peter Howard on Twitter. He's a really good follow, probably one of like the top five uh, uh, analysts on Twitter uh, for my money. But he he looked at uh, what players by week one uh, wide receivers here cleared mm-hmm. a, at least an 18% target share and at least 15 uh, points per game by. Uh, and these are wide receivers that went on to went on to be wide receiver ones in their year. And what percent cleared those thresholds by week one? At least 15 points per game in week one, 70%. So that means that 70% of wide receiver ones had at least 15 points points in their first week. And then 90% had at least an 18% target share. So by, by week two, those numbers jumped to 78 for 15 points per game and 96. So if Allen Robinson does not have an average target share of 18% by week two, he would be a, f- a 4% shot. Basically, like, 
to be a uh, top 12 wide receiver based on those criteria. So, yeah, I think Robinson was someone I didn't think he had, you know, a super high ceiling to begin with. Maybe top 12 would be that, but he's really safe to me. Like those targets are going to come. They're going to need him if this offense is going to be good, which it will be. They will write the ship. So I would expect them to make a concerted effort to get him involved next week. He's up against yeah. Atlanta. You know, that I'll still play him versus Atlanta. They don't have the pass rush that Buffalo did. They'll be able to get him targets. Well, and to me, you know, like after looking over the tape and after looking at like the yards for separation that A-Rob was getting, which is like really good, like he definitely still has like, I don't think that like if you're going to make a fade case against him where like he's just not even like a wide receiver too, I don't think that it's going to happen because he's bad. I think that it could happen because like the Rams in general are bad. And that's something that was like my, my, my biggest takeaway from this game is what's going to happen with the O-line on the Rams going forward because the Bills blitzed one time the entire game and sacked Matthew Stafford seven times. So, like, that's a concern. And then what's going to happen with Matthew Stafford's arm? The guy had five and a half yards per attempt. That's that's like like Big Ben level bad. So those two things, week two, are going to be very interesting. The Bills also have Vaughn Miller, who is an absolute beast still at the, in his career, you know, at this age. And the, but they lost Andrew Whitworth over the offseason. He retired and to lose a, yeah, the Rams a, yeah. a cornerstone uh, left tackle is a big deal and they will have to adjust for it. So there is some concern there, but I, I would tend to believe McVay is going to get it going to get it right, at least to some extent here. I don't think they're going to be just a bad team. But yeah, let's let's get into um, our takes here. So we're talking about things that we're looking out for in week one as a way to preview the season. So anything that comes to mind, whether it's a specific player you're you're looking at that you're interested to see or if it's kind of more of a general um, observation that you want to see. But my first one is to look at the wide receivers that are changing teams and Mm -hmm. see how they perform out of the gate. Because, you know, we actually done some digging earlier in the offseason. I didn't have a good chance to mention it on the podcast about some data about wide receivers changing teams. And basically what you find, the kind of the adage is that it's bad when wide receivers change teams. Their points per game typically goes down. But I went through and I separated, um, you know, I made some criteria to just focus on younger wide receivers that were still in their prime. And you know, not guys that had suffered bad injuries because that data is kind of skewed by older guys that change teams at age 32 because their team no longer wants them or guys mm-hmm. that get hurt the following year. And then mm-hmm. it, it just, it kind of skews the data so that the wide receivers, it looks like it's uh, really detrimental for them to switch teams. But if you're just looking at guys that don't get hurt, guys that are in their prime, they actually slightly go up. I went back to like 2011, I think and filtered out for all those guys and calculated it, the points per game actually goes up by about 0.3. So basically to say that's not a huge positive, but basically to say that there isn't a negative correlation, in my opinion, for the guys like Tyreek Hill, Hollywood Brown, AJ Brown, you know, they're all in different different circumstances now, but I don't think there's any reason to fade them for that alone. And, you know, we could see things get better for these guys as well. Like there's, some big scenarios where, uh, you know, changing teams had great effect on their fantasy outcome. And I think Hollywood Brown is a prime candidate for that. Someone that could just be an absolute breakout. Um, so I'm yeah, really yeah. looking for that week one because so many wide receivers change teams uh, this off season. And then inversely, I want to see the quarterbacks that change teams. We had a ton of moving pieces in the off season and see how those quarterbacks affect their new wide receivers. You know, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, even there's a lot to to look out for with that. Yeah, yeah, that's it's really good stuff with the uh, like wide receivers changing teams. There, from what I've seen from it, is like good, like wide receivers that we know are good that are like a desk that that are that are going to a team because the team like identifies them as a good wide receiver and then makes the trade for them. Like, oh, like we actually want you, like we're going after you, right? Like mm-hmm. we saw with like Hollywood Brown, like we saw with AJ Brown, like we saw with Stephon Dick, like we saw with uh, D-Hop, right? right. Uh, those guys tend, 
tend to do well, you know, like well, we know that they're good and we know that the team wants them, right? Like it's, it's sort of like, I, I think sort of it as about like how, if you look at um, second round running backs that the team like traded up for, like they tend to get more run because it's like, you know, that the team wants them. Right. Um, and then it's, and then it's uh, like historically been kind of like iffy guys where like they can even be still in their prime, but like, you know, they haven't maybe produced well over the last few years and they go and they change teams. They just kind of end up there. Uh, so like the first guy that comes to mind for me is a uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Like that's, that's, that's the guy that I would be most worried about with the wide receiver changing teams trend. All those other guys you mentioned, I'm not worried about at all. Well, like Tyree, just because of the offensive situation, but in terms of him still not being good, like I don't think that that's, that that's something that I, right. I would want to worry about. Devonte Adams, the same deal, you know, not right, the exactly. situation, but they're still top five players. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's possible that even that even uh, with the way that the wide receiver market is changing, there we're going to see more and more of this. More right? of like, this, yeah. Right, like until it until it sort Literally. of starts to settle. Well, like where like where like top tier guys are moving around. I think at least until teams know, okay, this is what we can plan for our guy to cost. Because right. like this is like a shock wave, right? Now. It's resetting the market and it's gonna happen again, yeah, this upcoming off season as well. And like you said, eventually it'll stabilize, but yeah, they're they haven't been able to plan. They didn't know how much money they would have to pay these guys. All of a sudden Christian Kirk's well, getting like broke off for twenty million. <laughs> right. Oh and God. only certain teams are willing to pay sticker price on these guys. And that's what we're yeah. seeing. You know, there's only some of the teams are willing to pay sticker price, and the other teams are like basically sitting there. And it's like the other teams are realizing how much their asset is worth, but also like these other teams are like, they were gifted a Mercedes Benz and they're very happy about it. But now they're just realizing how much every single oil change is going to cost and the maintenance yeah. to pay it. Yeah, the headlight so broke. The headlight broke and it's oh, like, no. it's like $5,000. So they're like, just what like, are, like what I, I property tax. You can what have the Mercedes Benz. I'm just going to take some, take my money and just go buy another Corolla. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and to piggyback off of that, cause I did have one of mine. So I might as well just throw it on top. I'm yeah. specifically regarding to uh, Tyree Kill. I wanted to see the Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle uh, split on their targets, how they coexist on the field. We've yet to see them on the same field. Waddle hasn't played any of the preseason. Tyree Kill played about three minutes and had two catches for 75 yards. So we're going to see how they look on the field at the same time. It should be very interesting. I'm really excited for that Miami game. Yeah, I want to see yeah. what happens there. Does Tyreek get out and get 10 targets? Does he get five targets? Does he get downfield targets? You know, I think right. so many ways they could use him. I want to see what they have planned. Right, yeah, that's one That's one that, uh, that I wrote down uh, for sure. Like, there, there, there are several offenses where, like, either there's a new quarterback going into them or, like, a guy that's been kind of iffy that we're looking to see. Is he uh, like going to take a step forward? Specifically, I'm thinking of Carolina, New Orleans, mm-hmm. and uh, like Miami, right? So, like three big situations where you have Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield, and Tua, and and there are like like uh, between those three situations, there are a ton of fantasy viable weapons there. Like, so you have like DJ Moore. People are expecting big things at the Chris Olave and rookie year. Michael Thomas coming back. We talked about Tyreek and Waddle, CMC, all of these guys. And it's like, okay, they could be so much more if they could get a quarterback that could step up. So I think mm-hmm. it's going to be important to watch these kind of, I guess, I guess you can call them like borderline QBs or like transitional QBs um, and right. see what, and, and see what they look like in uh, uh, week one. Yeah. So what's your first thing to watch for Cameron? Yeah, so I kind of uh, transitioned into one of them was just like, the, like these borderline uh, quarterback things. But then to stick with uh, the quarterbacks here, um, second year QBs. You know, uh, last year last year was this incredibly touted quarterback class. You had um, uh, two guys in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who literally for four years everyone were talking about like the second coming of Peyton Manning and Cam Newton. Um, and then they and then they and everyone everybody else in the class flopped. Like mm-hmm. everybody except for Mac Jones did absolutely nothing for themselves. Right. Uh, but still, these guys are incredibly talented. You have Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, at least in the preseason so far, looking both looking fantastic. Right. Uh, you have uncertainty with Zach Wilson. He's not going to play for the first few weeks. Uh, Mac Jones is going to be in there against uh, Miami. 
um, just basically looking, see, seeing how these guys look, because I think that you're going to be able to get a temperature check in the early part of the season. Because uh, I'm willing to ride it off last year was basically my take, was that for Trevor Lawrence, for Justin Fields, basic, like more or less those two guys, because uh, I think that they're so talented that like the rookie year, I'm like, okay, they, they're probably not that bad. Let's see what they do over the first six or seven weeks after they have a full off season integrated into the offense after their uh, like respective coaches who everyone said were like the worst, the two worst coaches in the NFL last year, probably they're gone now. Uh, so let's see if they can come out of the gate looking better, because if, if, if either one of those two guys specifically uh, continues to look as bad as they did last year over the first say, quarter of this season, then I think then you can start to make more uh, like definitive statements like, okay, maybe we whiffed a little bit. And then um, uh, more specifically within that take, you have two of those guys facing off uh, with San Francisco versus the bears. That'll be a game that I'll be watching to see uh, two quarterbacks that I was high on relative to ADP Trey Lance, one of uh, one of my uh, darling picks for this year versus Justin Fields. What does the rushing look like? uh how do they look throwing the ball etc yeah and especially for me with trevor lawrence what does the rushing look like for him because i feel like that's yeah. something that still hasn't been unlocked in his game but just in general i feel like we may have just we may be overlooking trevor lawrence for fantasy this year because like what if this dude yeah. is half as talented as we expected and now he's got a real professional coach at least whatever you think about doug peterson it's so much better than urban meyer he's been to the super bowl before he's won a super bowl he's coached right. he's he's gotten you know good play out of his quarterbacks in the past so and they have a, they have some more weapons than they did last year the offense is better off at least so do we see a huge step forward from him i think that is possible I, i'm not expecting that per se but i think at least we'll see a small step forward right away in week one I mean, he couldn't really step backwards. So yeah, exactly. Like it's just one of those situations where when you when you really do see the floor and it's like, all right, well, you have two options. You either stay here or you go up. You know, that's, right. those, those, Trevor, those are what you got. If Lawrence is a top twelve quarterback halfway through the year, I wouldn't be too shocked though. And no one is I really be shocked at all. No, no. I wouldn't be shocked league, at all. He's not being drafted in one quarterback leagues, you know. So no, I mean all he has to do is is run like which we know that he can do right like if they like if we see five or six read options uh like we see some running some running use in the red zone or whatever like you see with like josh allen or something week one then i think it's basically a lock that trevor lawrence is going to be a top 12 qb his potential is still in my opinion josh allen and you know josh allen was bad in his first two seasons as well so i mean I still think there are bright things for Trevor Lawrence to come. Um, I have a more specific one that I'm looking out for uh, for Green Bay. Who's going to lead that team in targets? You know, mm -hmm. outside of the running backs, I think Dylan and Jones will get theirs. But Alan Lazard has been ruled out, right? I believe he's officially out for week one. Yeah, yeah. Guys, doubtful. Yeah. Oh, no. no. I think he ruled out, actually. No, he's out. Was he ruled he's out? out. Okay, yeah, they don't have the doubtful uh, thing anymore. Anyway, but. yeah, but you got Sammy Watkins there. You got... Randall Cobb, Romeo Dubes, uh, Christian Dubes. Watson, Dubes, <laughs> Dubs, what Dubs, whatever. I don't think the, the community hasn't like settled on one way to. But Dubes is the funniest. I I think it is a uh, Dobbs, but Dubes is I always say Dubes is really like nice to say. So. Dubs. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, because I think there is a lot of potential value to be had there if one guy comes out and separates themselves and I think Lazard has the best chance for that, but obviously he's not going to be out there week one. So is it another guy? Is it dubs? Is it Christian Watson? Like Christian Watson's actually going to play and he's fallen so far for people, but I, you know, maybe they still have a big role planned for him because, you know, Aaron Rodgers was even talking about it recently. What's good to hear him really praising Watson, basically saying he's never had, he's never seen a guy like that. or He's never played with a guy with that type of talent. So Maybe they do just force him into the offense right away, or maybe they go to the veteran and Sammy Watkins is like a good start week one. There's yeah, a, so that's my thing. Like, we already know what's going to happen here. Like it's going to be like the Sammy Watkins week one. Thing. Yeah, like, it's like it's been foretold. Uh, the guy just has lizard blood, like we already know. 
Like he's like week one, Sammy Watkins. You cannot, you cannot <laughs> stop. That. He's going for fifty. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, is that why gonna... he's is that why he's good week one? Because it's the warmest day of the. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because he, because he's because he's warm blooded. Yeah. Or cold blooded. He's got yeah. that thermoregulation going. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. That's why he trails off at the end of the year. Can't play in the winter. <laughs> and it is it is it is like you know it's one of these situations that you don't know how it's going to shake out. Um, and it's sort of unfortunate that, uh, 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 Lazard won't be going because there's, there'll still be doubt, right? Like if Lazard plays in week two, you're still going to have the question like, okay, is whoever steps up in week one, is he going to continue to be the guy yeah. now that we see him playing alongside the full complement? is uh, like Lazard going to be the guy now? Yeah. Even if yeah. Sammy Watkins sees 12 targets, you're going to be like, well, is he going to get that next week? I don't know. Well, this that's the corollary situation. with the week one Sammy Watkins is that there's, is that there's no other week Sammy Watkins. There's ingrained <laughs> doubt with the week one Sammy Watkins. <laughs> right. There's because we've um, seen him many times. Yeah. And then uh, to, moving on here to another pretty specific situation. I'm really looking forward to the Sunday night game um, and specific. I'm, I'm I'm buying into the Zeke Pollard sharing the same field dynamic. I think that I think that they're serious this time. I think that they've made it clear that they're not taking Zeke off the field much, which is fine again with the money they're paying him. But I think that they also do recognize just how talented Pollard is. They're short on weapons. Uh, Gallup is already is is definitely out for this one. Um, we were saying before we started recording that Tolbert hasn't been terribly impressive to them he's even potentially in the running for a healthy scratch so you're looking at guys like Noah Brown um so you know they're short on weapons uh, it can't all go to Lamb and Schultz uh so I'm I'm really curious to see if we do get this you know these slot snaps for Pollard these right. these uh these cool you know two two running back backfield formations where they're both out there because they need playmakers man and Pollard's a playmaker so I'm buying a, in. I'm excited. That's a really good one because I didn't write that down, but every year it seems like there's hype from some running back two on a team. They're saying, oh, he's going to be on the field with the it's other called the back. It's called the Naeem Hines hype. Yeah, we Naeem have a name Hines, for it. Kareem Hunt. Oh, they're going to play in the slot. Pollard. We right, like, that's what I would call last it. Year. Yeah. Right, like the Tony Pollard hype. Like, but, it seems like, it seems like we've been waiting on this uh, for a while. It never comes yeah. to fruition, but I heard a beat writer in Dallas was saying, I know every year they say this and it never happens, but he's like, you know, confirming that this year it is going to happen. Like the team has so many uh, uh, offensive schemes uh, and formations set up with the two of them out on the field with Pollard in the slot because they just absolutely need it. You know, there was some buzz. Cameron said that Jalen Tolbert might not even be active week one as a healthy scratch. So like right. number two wide receiver, nobody. So they need to shoehorn Pollard in there. They've never had such a vacuum at right. WR2 before. Yeah, I think that, I think that Lamb's like, that's in the a big slot, difference. So who's playing right, right. on the outside even? Noah Brown? I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is an interesting one. Um, and, and I think that we all agree that uh, Pollard has standalone value uh, regardless. It's just is that is he going to be juiced by another point and a half per game or so um, yeah. when Zeke's in the field this year? And then obviously if Zeke goes down and he has the nuclear upside. I'm actually going to be playing Pollard in the league I have him in in redraft. I mean, I would, yeah. Yeah, like I think if like I think if you drafted him, uh, and like particularly if you're in like a deeper league with a couple flexes or whatever, that he can he's a reasonable play. Yeah. Um, yeah. So moving on to one, this one, this one uh, is a little more specific than like what I was talking about earlier as well. Um, I'm going to be looking at the Eagles versus the Lions to see if the to see which version of the Eagles offense that we get. Do we get do we get the first half of 2021 Eagles offense? Or do we get the second half of 2021 Eagles offense where the first half of last year, the Eagles passed it uh, around 35 times a game. Like they were a, they were a pass heavy offense. Uh, and in the second half, and, and it's literally split in, in halves, you know, eight games, eight games. Uh, uh, the second half, they, they threw it 10 times less per game. So they averaged around 25. So they went from a pass heavy offense to the most run heavy offense in the NFL. And it was it was a it was a wild swing. So I think it's going to be I'm expecting somewhere in the middle of that. But it's going to be interesting to see now that they bring A.J. Brown on board, now that we have another year of development as a starter for Goddard 
and uh, Smith, um, what's going to happen there? You know, like we know that they have pass catching weapons out of the backfield as well. And the the player that I think that this will impact or have uh, the heaviest impact on one is AJ Brown's ceiling, um, and then two uh, like Devonta Smith. Whether whether he can be a kind of viable wide receiver two expectation play over the course of the year. Um, uh, I think those are, I think we all sort of agreed in general that we might fade uh, the Philly offense, uh, the Philly passing game a little bit uh, this year, like draft, draft your Jalen Hurts, avoid your AJ Browns and uh, Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard's. Yeah. I sort of, I sort of rose on AJ Brown uh, as the offseason went to where at the end of the offseason, I was okay drafting him where he was uh, with the expectation that they're, that, that there that there could be that thirty to thirty five uh, pass attempt per game upside, but we're gonna get to see it. <clears throat> this is an exact one I wrote down because I've I've faded AJ Brown and Devonte Smith on the podcast all off season, but there's something in the back of my mind saying I could be so wrong about that. Like I, I think they have low floors, but they also have high ceilings. If Jalen Hurts has like league breaking ability for fantasy, and if they are a much more pass happy team which I assume they'll try to be because they went out and got these weapons. Like, you know, we all compare it to Josh Allen in his year three, you know, Jalen hurts was actually a more efficient passer than Josh Allen through two years. And he took that step. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's going to do that, but it's similar to what happened that year with Allen, where they got stuff on Diggs. Stefan Diggs was faded in fantasy and he still, he comes out getting 150 targets. The team's throwing a lot. So like if that happens for the Eagles, the upside is like nuclear. Like Devontae Smith can be good too. Dallas Goddard, if they're if the targets are all consolidated to those three guys heavily, there's a chance maybe they are all good. So I'll be watching them. I think there's going to be some points in that game. That's like a sleeper game for me in DFS. Actually, I think the Lions can keep up with them. Week one, maybe get an over on the line there. I think it's like 48 points. But yeah, I definitely want to see how good Jalen Hurts looks and who he's throwing the ball to. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's, it's mostly like to me is, is, is both of, or are both of uh, uh, Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard going to be viable all year long? Yeah. Because if, because if it's, if, I mean, if they come out and week one, you get 27 attempts at a day that hurts, then you know, it's going to be rough for probably both of those guys. Uh, they're going to be like up and down, up and down. But if it's more like 37, 35, um, then uh then you can rest easier knowing that those are that both of those guys you can probably plug and play i tend to believe it probably will be closer to 27 but there's always that other outcome there and yeah i mean aj brown he could just be incredibly efficient yet again and still perform even on like let's say 115 120 targets you know like yeah he- i think that i think that like no matter what happens that AJ Brown is going to be fine. He's just yeah. uh, too good of a player yeah. uh, at this point. Like that's basically where I'm at on him. And I think that he's fine at the ADP that he's settled on. Uh, I did, like I said, uh, like come around on him. Plus he has the upside back then of, you know, what if, what if we do see the 35 pass attempts a game right. offense? Yeah. And another one I wrote down here is just the snap shares and touches for the rookie running backs. You know, this, it's an obvious one, but I'll be watching them closely. We already saw what happened with cook. And so that can happen. You know, we hype up rookie running backs because a lot of times they can perform year one, but it's often is a slow start. So like Brees Hall, man, if I have him, I'm probably playing him week one because of where you drafted him. I still think the upside is there, but can he kill you and, you know, get like eight or nine touches in this game? I feel like that's in the realm of outcomes. I, I think it's likely. You think likely? Eight or nine? I, I think he'll I think get he's a, that, like I think he's a, yeah, I, think, I think he'll definitely get more than that. I think he's a he's a he's a weak he's a weak loser this week. Yeah, I think that it's possible that 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 it's like we're looking at a 50-50 split, something like we saw with uh, like Javante and Melvin Gordon at the beginning of the year last year um, against the Ravens. Joe yeah. Flacco. Yeah, that eventually that eventually kind of uh, normalizes in um, Brees's favor uh, if he if he goes out there and it's eight or nine touches that that is super super concerning because horrible i've been seeing like i've been seeing a uh a stat um pushed around over the last week or so 
talking to this like specific thing where with rookie or with uh, running backs that get less than like, I think, I think the number is 13 carries. Like if you get, if you get less than 13 carries in week one, like it's, it's, it's just an incredibly low, like RB one hit rate after that. Um, so like, I, I, I would expect him to, I think meet, meet that number. 13 would be the mark. I think he'll hit. Yeah. Unless they, unless they just get, torch like like that's a situation where yeah, that could happen he, with like, baltimore right where he doesn't get worried about like like uh baltimore just comes out and hangs 21 on them right away or something and, yeah but the other rookie running backs as well like kenneth walker is most likely going to miss with the hernia but you know uh damian pierce i mean damian pierce is going to have to see third down work and targets to justify that fourth round adp where he's been going they end up in the i don't fourth? think he can. He's been going in the fourth and the what last. What are we draft. doing, man? <laughs> That's the worst pick and redraft. It's insane, but but yeah, yeah. Like you're taking him. They're acting like those touches are just guaranteed for him. So we don't even know how much is Rex Burkhead going to be involved. Is, That's the same round Brees Hall ended up in in a lot of drafts, dude. Like, he's going like just behind Brees Hall now. It's insane, <laughs> but like him, Zamir White. How big of a role does he have? Rashad White. I want to see. Do these guys have no role like James Cook coming in week one? Or are they going to be? You know. If Zamir White and Rashad White each get like eight to 10 touches themselves this week, then that's going to be a great outlook for the rest of the season. That means that role could only expand from there on. And every year there's like a mid-round running back uh, that ends up taking off for fantasy football to some extent. You know, it's just trying to – It depends on what those touches are to do. I think think with um, uh, 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 Zamir that you could get those eight or nine touches and they're just all – rushes in between the 20 or whatever, in which case I would still just not be interested at all. And with uh, Rashad, he could come out and get like all those, all those, six, all those six, right, catches. Like six catches, right? Yeah. Like all That'd those touches huge. could be in the passing game. And I'm very interested. I'm very right. interested to see Rashad White's role. Cause he was um, playing as like the fourth string guy through the preseason, but now the team has him listed as the number two officially. So I think he has that role Just see how big it is. There are some rumblings that they're going to try to limit Fournette. We'll see. I, I don't know if I believe it in week one necessarily, but if he does have that third down role there week one, that'll be huge. Right. If we see, if we see Leonard three net instead of, instead of <laughs> Leonard four net. <laughs> so this one, this one's going to surprise absolutely nobody, but I am very interested to see the Pittsburgh receiving group. George Pickens. in general, <laughs> high points. Just in the general, high points in here. I want to see the. I want to see. So specifically, I want to see the Pittsburgh offense. Um, well, not specifically. More generally, I want to see the Pittsburgh offense. I want to see how they look with Trubisky because we are going to be seeing Trubisky. I want to see if they're able to move the ball. Um, I'm envisioning. I, in my brain, I don't think it could be much worse than last year, uh, with with the twilight year big ben just absolutely throttling the entire offense's you know capabilities down the field everything like that um the run game struggled the passing game was very very narrow and limited to mostly you know short yardage work with juju and deontay so we're gonna have trubisky take over not a ringer not a super sexy quarterback but at least he's capable of actually making some deeper NFL throws with regularity. You got Pickens added into the group. I think he's supremely talented. I think there's a world where he comes out and he does command a decent target share right off the bat. Um, This Claypool in the slot project experiment that they're going to be doing where they're going to have, you know, to see how often they run three wide receiver sets is going to be interesting seeing, uh, if Pickens is in on two wide receiver sets or if it's Claypool. Uh, and then, you know, obviously Deontay Johnson seeing if he continues that crazy, you know, uh, percentage target share uh, in a world pa- uh, post Big Ben, seeing if he continues to get that 26, 27% target share that he's been getting the last uh, two seasons to see if that carries over with a new quarterback. So there's a, just a lot of interesting things as well as Najee. Let's see if he can get a little bit more uh, running room with uh, with with a with a quarterback that maybe inspires a little bit more respect from the defense. I'm really excited to see Pickens week one because I think he's going to be on the field probably like an 80 percent snap share or higher. And he's so great. He's the starting uh, flanker there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean. 
And if what their offense has been for years is any indication, like they will be in three wide sets pretty much exclusively. More than anybody like, in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like they play like more three wide sets than anyone, I think. Maybe not more than Arizona, but a ton. They were and, tied uh, for the most last year, but also two years in a row, they would have paced out to have three wide receivers have over 100 targets in a season. So they've done yeah. that. All those wide receivers are capable of having 100 targets coexisting together. Yeah, mm-hmm. Claypool, I guess, is the one that I'm most interested in because, like, I like DJ at this point. We know I I think that it's like settled, like it's locked in. Like, yeah, I mean, like we know what he is. He's like he's an elite separator X. Um, uh, but Claypool is in an entirely new role. He's gonna he's he's a he's a six four two twenty five guy that runs a four three five that's gonna be playing against nickel cornerback. <laughs> that is Jesus. right. So, so like, I mean, they can get him on linebackers sometimes. And like he had success uh, in the past, his rookie year when they put him in the slot, he bro. Like if I'm like a D coordinator or a head coach, and I get into a situation where I see that I have a linebacker on Chase Claypool, like that, like I'm calling a timeout. You know, what I mean, like that's about to be a 60 yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I'm For super real. interested in that, right? And then just right, like seeing 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 if the if the overall quality of the offense improves, and right. also if if they're still slamming Najee Harris with that 95% opportunity. Share. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that'll be interesting too. Uh, they, I mean, they've done it a lot, right? Again, like if any indication of what they've always done. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to, a lot to see shake itself out there. Uh, my, my last, my last one. And I think uh, this is one that we all agreed on. At least I think that we had mentioned it pre-show that uh, we all had this is what is the, Chiefs wide receiver situation going to look like. I'm going to be watching the Chiefs Cardinals game one because it's going to be an awesome game, like uh, most likely, and two because I'm interested in uh, the wide receiver core there for the Chiefs to see. First of all, where is Juju playing? Like, are they playing him all over the place? Is he going to be exclusively outside? They're going to have him in the slot a lot. I would like to see him in the slot if I'm a guy that's invested in Juju at all. Um, uh, what's Sky Moore up to? There's been some late Justin Watson hype out of late preseason and camp. Maybe maybe he's going to have a bigger role than we think. Uh, can MVS be more than a dude Just that runs wins and sprints down the field and drops <laughs> and drops like long bombs? Uh, does Kelsey still have it? You know, he's entering his age 33 season. Uh, yeah, basically all of it. Hey, for sure. Um, I also wrote down – if you're looking at wide receiver course, so I think Kansas city and green Bay might be the most interesting to look out for. Cause you got superstar quarterbacks there and totally remade receiver rooms, but I'm also interested to see the giants too. Cause I think that offense gets better. How much I don't know, but with the new coach, it's a world of difference. It's going to be a, a modern creative offense, which they had not had for years now. So I think Barkley will be good, but really, which guy is it? Because I think Kenny Galladay is toast. Is Tony step up or does Wandell Robinson step up? I think either one of them could have a pretty high ceiling this year, especially Wandell with where he's going in drafts. Like I've stashed him in a lot of redraft leagues because I think there's a chance that, you know, maybe it's a lot of underneath, you know, he's worked into more of the gadget role, but he could be someone that gets like seven, eight touches a game and, you know, schemed like uh, similar to Debo Samuel. They could use him in the backfield. There's, there's been a lot of uh, hype about that. They could use Tony that way too. And, you know, Sterling Shepard, how big of a role does he have? Because he's apparently going to play coming off the Achilles. And yeah, I, so I was going to say the guy's going to be washed, but crazy. maybe he plays, maybe he's the starting slot and it's not Wandell. I don't know. Cause Tony is apparently on the outside and he's good yeah. to go week one. So very interested to see my giants there. I still think there's major upside for Tony as well. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of these wide receiver situations that we're going to be paying attention to. How the how are they uh, going to shake out? Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested. I had them on my list. We've actually, like I said, we hit every single thing on this list except um, honorable mention. Um, I'm excited to watch the Lions, but honestly, not even for any particular reason. I'm just kind of excited to see what they do. <laughs> just a fun team to root for. Just because they're just fun to root for. I just for like everybody's. Them. 
Everybody How many kneecaps do they fight? The hard knocks. Yeah. Ball. Yeah. Everybody likes, but this, this predates hard knocks, man. I remember sitting in a bar last year when they got their win against uh, Minnesota. Was it the one yeah, that they had a lot of like one score games? Dude, last they year. were so close and everybody wanted to see this team. No one wanted to see this team go winless. Like everybody liked this team. Like Dan Campbell's crying up at the podium. Like <laughs> everyone's cheering for this team. And I was in a bar when, when Amon Ra caught that touchdown to win the game. Uh, against Minnesota and everybody didn't matter who they were a fan of everybody in the bar was cheering for the Lions I'm low-key excited about them because I think that team could be much better than people think it seems like right it seems like uh this year like we didn't get a single player that got the hard knocks bump it was just the entire team like everybody like everybody just like much higher on the Lions now (laughs) and then uh, the last thing I have here which I think you kind of touched on Cameron but I think it's a narrative that's going kind of under the radar because there's so many big things going on week one, but Baker Mayfield's debut, I think is actually mm-hmm. a pretty big, pretty big deal. Um, even, I know that it's against the Browns, which always adds a little bit of interest, but just like that team has such important pieces for, for fantasy with McCaffrey and DJ Moore. And they've had, you know, they, it, it's felt like they've been a quarterback away since Cam like yeah, went downhill right. And so if Mayfield really does kind of turn it back around and get closer to like his rookie year Baker versus what he's been the last couple of years and he was all injured and stuff, that team could surprise some people. So I am interested to see how he plays uh, tomorrow. I think Carolina could come out really hot out of the gates, kind of like they did last year. Baker is going to be fired up. I think the team, there is a narrative to build here. This team is going to be absolutely fired up for that game, especially around Baker Mayfield. And I want to see DJ Moore. Is he command the same target share he had last year? Because if so, you know, he could be a value right now. If he sees 165 targets again with better quarterback play, um, you know, that could be a big deal for fantasy. I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical because I don't think Baker is that great, but week one could be a nice game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, I think he will get the like 150, 160 targets like he always does, but it's a matter of, can the offense get down to the red zone more often? Can there be more uh, downfield plays, things like that? Probably not a whole lot more. <laughs> do you guys want to? You guys want to do our projected waiver. waiver wire pickup? Yeah. So I have one more uh, that I wrote down. Just backfield splits in general, but specifically for New England, Miami, Vegas, Kansas City, Denver, and then definitely Jacksonville. I'm really curious to see how Travis Etienne is because. If, if you told me Travis Etienne is just a top five locked in running back now, you know, halfway through the year, I would not be shocked at all. I want to see if he's dominating touches. If he's like a workhorse back to any extent, then I think he might be one of the best picks in all fantasy because the targets are going to be there. And we talked about Cam Akers. I don't think James Robinson is going to have a lot of juice left. So that's one I'm, I'm going to be watching closely. Robinson versus mm-hmm. Etienne there. But yeah, let's we, let's do what we did last year, which um, most weeks we would talk about someone to pick up on waivers before the week uh, starts, before Sunday, try to get out ahead of it. I think last year we had we had said Cordero Patterson actually um, before week, week one. Two. Yeah, it was uh, yeah before oh, wow. week two, before week two, because he had a couple nice. touches week one, week two is when he broke out. Um, we actually hit a couple of them last year, so you should be looking into that. Because, you, you know, instead of having to blow all your fab on a guy, it's much better to already have them on your team. So be looking for trends and see which guy could have a much bigger role than anticipated. And week one is always the biggest waiver wire uh, frenzy because so many things will be different than what you expect. Uh, so who's your guy, Ian? What's, what's your top waiver wire claim before week one? Sure. So... Uh... Um, I'm like projecting out who I think is going to be like the number one request, like the number one waiver pickup Monday or, you know, Tuesday uh, when the new waivers roll around. So this is all about getting ahead of the, this is all about beating the traffic when you leave the, leave the football game with two minutes left, you know, just trying to beat the traffic basically and and get them before you have to uh, blow a waiver priority or spend any fab. Um, Cameron already touched on them actually is pretty funny. But uh, for me, it, this is definitely Sammy Watkins. 
Uh, I think I think I think Sammy Watkins, uh, who is going undrafted in most leagues now, Alan Robinson or uh, sorry, Alan Lazard did get uh, ruled out within the last like I think forty eight hours. So there's I'm sure plenty of leagues he's already been picked up. Watkins has, um, but if you're, if you're in a league where Watkins hasn't been picked up, hundred percent I would stash him on the end of my bench. Um, there is a world where he comes out and has just a meteoric week one, and maybe you can flip him with something for, you know, a more, uh, a more established asset. That would be what I would be looking to do with him. I don't believe that. I think it's fool's gold hundred percent. I'm not projecting a eighth year rena- renaissance for Sammy Watkins. I just mm-hmm. think that he's worth picking up and seeing if he can, uh, do that thing he does week one every couple right. of years. Yeah, the week one play on Sammy mm-hmm. Watkins. Can never go wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with uh, the wide receiver uh, position and suggest that people who maybe need need a little bit of help at, at, at uh, like that position, if Paris Campbell is available oh. in your league, um, uh, he's a guy that I, that I liked as a sort of last couple round stash in redraft this year. And I think that the wide receiver two position um, in uh, Indianapolis is wide open. Like uh, they, they drafted Alex, Alex Pierce in the second round. Um, you know, he's a, he's a rookie wide receiver. Um, and like we know that they tend to get off to slow starts. And he, he also just so happens to be a rookie wide receiver that I wasn't very high on. So I do believe that there's a, there's still sort of an ongoing battle there. And in any case, um, in the, at least last year ran quite a bit of, uh, three wide receiver sets. They were in, they were in 11 personnel, 65% of the time. That's above league average. So Paris Campbell, um, worst case out of the gate will be the starting slot. Um, I would assume, and could be a guy that you see get seven, eight targets to week one. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. That's an interesting one, man. I feel like you could have said him like each of the last three seasons and he just always gets hurt, <laughs> but yeah. The injury is really the, the only concern. Yeah. If we get the same healthy, that's definitely a good one. Um, so I wanted to get, get a guy that would pretty certain would be on most waivers. And then, you know, I looked through some of my leagues, even some of the deeper redraft leagues and this guy is on waivers everywhere, but I've mentioned him in the deep sleeper show, but Jarek McKinnon, Mm-hmm. is really someone I would try to throw onto my bench if I have the space for it uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, he took over the role in the, pre- in the playoffs last year over Clyde. He averaged over a hundred yards from scrimmage per game in the playoffs. And he had all of the pass catching work. And in the preseason, he was in there playing on third down. And I don't think, I don't think Clyde can ap- even approach like a workhorse, a workhorse type of, um, uh, workload there in Kansas city. So it's going to be somewhat of a committee. Maybe it's just a two back split. Cause I don't think Isaiah Pacheco is actually good. I don't think it'll mm-hmm. be him, but people have been drafting Pacheco and not McKinnon where I think McKinnon might just have all the third down work and could be someone that gets five, six targets there. So the upside is not super high with him, but you know, the upside is like what Daryl Williams did last year, which was like a low end RB two. Uh, that had some spike weeks because he's just in a good offense. He doesn't even need to be the most talented player, you know, at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'm looking That's back. That's a good one. Williams was it, 18 last year. Yeah. Yeah. He was and good. Just, he had a couple of big games. Yeah. And just in general, like this is a move that I like to do. And especially if you have, if you're in a redraft, like it just happens to have deeper uh, benches is like before like the last thing that you do, like just before the games kick off Sunday morning, you drop whoever the last guy on your uh, depth is and you pick up like a, like Samaje P Ryan, for example, or somebody that if the starter just so happens to get injured, they, you think that they would inherit like a huge workload, right? Like you get one of these like handcuff style guys that, um, that are free. basically. Right, yeah. Hilliard's a good right, the Hilliard's That's another fun. one. Yeah, just like, just like, take that, like, take that gamble over and over and over again. I did it last year. I hit on Hubbard, right? Like Chuba Hubbard got a couple starts out of him, for example. Yeah, uh, you know, we mentioned also Rex Burkhead before the show as a possible stash because he's yeah. been drafted almost everywhere, and I don't think it's going to be very lucrative backfield there. But 
he might have a much bigger role than we think. Like he could have direct PPR utility even yeah. without an injury. He could yeah, be like, like a JD right, McKissick. Like, yeah, I think I think I think uh, that it's going to be a split. I don't I don't I don't think that Damian Pierce is going to come out and be like a Najee Harris. Like I, I do think that he's going to catch passes this week. Yeah, and then Burkhead caught passes last year. They used him in that role down the stretch. He was averaging like about four targets a game from week twelve on. Uh, so you know, playing sixty percent of snaps or more. So I mean. He might even be the one A over Pierce. We don't know for sure. I think Pierce has the role, but um, Rex Burkhead will have a lot more. And I think uh, one other one, if you have more of a deeper one, but KJ Osborne is someone I'm mildly interested for fantasy. If the Vikings are actually throwing a lot more, if Adam Thielen has taken any kind of step backwards this year, or you know more susceptible to injury, Osborne was kind of ascending last year. He had like a 700 yard season. He was a a high end wide receiver four, but no one's talking about him at all. So I think just someone I'm not super in on, but I think he might have a big role. Could be someone that gets a hundred targets this year. Anybody? Any other honorable mentions? KJ Osborne or uh, you just, uh, <laughs> KJ Hamler. I just wanted to. I just thought. I just also wanted to say no, uh, KJ Osborne. No, um, I'm Jeff Wilson Jr. I have no idea why. I just said KJ Osborne. Jeff Wilson. Oh right, Jeff, Jeff, Wilson, Jeff Wilson, Jr. Wilson falls into that umbrella. Jeff yeah, Wilson's like, going to be Wilson the third Jr. down guy, probably. Yeah, Jeff Wilson Jr. is 100 percent um, worth a bench spot if you have an extra one and you're not crazy about the player sitting in it currently. That's a good one because yeah, last year Hasty was their third down guy. He played every third down. And they cut him. So it's going to almost definitely be Wilson because Ty Davis Price does not profile as that kind of guy. Mitchell. And for for the record, like, I, it's kind of like, not to discredit it, but it is kind of cheating to just like target handcuffs for this necessar- necessarily because we're kind of looking for players that we perceive to just take a big jump in usage or have a really nice week and be the perceived number one pickup. Obviously, if, a, if Derrick Henry goes down, Hilliard is the number one pickup like hands down so yeah that's just the general, all of these handcuffs just general are just, waiver waiver tip like it's yeah. something that i like to do and no and redraft is like roll that dice over and over and over again and then one nine times out of ten yeah for i'm looking at some of these leagues and there's some tight ends that are on waivers still that i think are worth rostering especially if you like punted tight end and you you drafted like dawson knox or cole Komet, especially after seeing dawson knox have a horrible week one like Evan Ingram is on waivers, even in some of these deeper leagues I'm in. And uh, we, we talked about him. I think he can still be good. He's way, he's buried down there. Austin Hooper even might have somewhat of a role with Tennessee. So if you don't have a good tight end on your roster and you have the room, throw one of those guys, maybe even Gerald Everett. Um, he's on a lot of waivers as well. But that's going to wrap it up. Dude, I am so pumped up. Tonight's going to be Definitely. like gonna be like christmas morning like when you're a kid you can't sleep before christmas you know <laughs> yeah i've been trying to i've been trying to like stave off the cravings of college football a little bit it just doesn't just doesn't, doesn't do hit it same. for me man no no unless you're watching Bijan, just absolutely right. <laughs> which by the way that game's going on right now i might check it out for a little and yeah, i like to watch i like to watch crushing. Start watching guys that you might end up drafting in dynasty leagues next year. Oh, and Bijan has a 42 yard catch. Oh, dude, love it. That's a name <laughs> we're going to be talking about a lot on this show as the as the season goes on and the off. Debbie takes. Yeah, he'll have a, a big role on the show. Definitely. But make sure to like and subscribe. Um, we're getting out there. I've set up an RSS feed for us, so we're going to be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well wherever you can find podcasts. So look out for that. If you guys don't like watching on YouTube, we're going to become available everywhere. I'll put the links in our YouTube description as well. Uh, so make sure to check those out if, if you don't like using YouTube. And uh, get in our Discord as well during the season. You know, we're going to have to do a lot of episodes where we answer questions, you know, different trade uh, reviews for people, all that sort of sh- stuff and uh, rating <laughs> lineups. So get in the Discord and, and you know, throw out any questions that you have. But uh, until next time, we'll see you guys. See ya. See ya.